Okay. Well, good evening. And thanks for being in church tonight. Amen. It's good to be here with you all. I've actually been I've been looking forward to coming up and doing this. I haven't been able to come up and preach. Um, and I'm glad, glad that um, some of our guys have been able to come up and fill in the pulpit. And believe it or not, it's uh, it's a mutual thing. Amen. The way that God does things, it's always a mutual benefit, right? So some of the men that have come up here, I'm sure you've been able to tell that they have um, they have a calling on their lives to preach. And they may not necessarily know how and when and where and all the places like that that's going to work out, but they definitely have the desire to... I guess, uh, practice. And so thanks for being their guinea pigs. Amen. <laughs> so, um, it's, uh, it's a blessing to be here tonight though, cause I've been really, um, just wanting to come up and meet the church. I was thinking about on the way up here, uh, this evening, you know, not really sure exactly what I want to preach and not sure exactly what the Lord would have me to preach. There's a part of me that just wants to say, you know, I just want to ask you folks questions and find out who you are and what's going on and all those things. I've been here to this church, I think twice, uh, years ago. Uh, we, you know, this is one of the first places I heard Dr. Wayne Shemish preach. I think it was a youth rally or something going on that we happened to be here for. Was that, was that here? Did that happen? Okay. I just want to, you know, sometimes you get in your, get in your head about stuff. And then, um, the other time was, I think the last time I was here was when, uh, Dr. Sam Gipp was in town. And so it's been, it's been definitely a while since I've been here and, uh, I'm glad to be here tonight. I guess let's go. Boy, how, should we flip a coin? I've got two messages in my mind. I'm just, I was thinking maybe I could talk for a minute. And one would settle. I'm just trying to think of which one to go with. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's go over to Second Corinthians chapter nine. Let's do that. Second Corinthians chapter nine. And I guess I'll just kind of give you a brief little introduction of who we are. I'm here tonight. Of course, my name is John Robinson and my wife Lindsay is here with me. We have four children. Our two older boys are down in Bible school in Florida. Our daughter, Olivia, is 18, and she's still at home with us. She's working, and um, she is tonight kind of taking care of my wife's sister, who's uh, handicapped, and she stays with us sometimes. We help out with that. So they're there at the church picnic and probably going to be headed home pretty soon. And then we have a 9-year-old daughter, kind of our surprise baby. Now, they're all surprises, right? But... Um, that was a really big surprise. So we have a 20, 19, 18-year-old, and then a 9-year-old, and we're very, very blessed. We, my wife and I just celebrated our 23rd anniversary uh, just last week, and um, we've been down in the Portland, Oregon area, just west in Hillsboro. Some of you have been down there to visit. Uh, we've been down there for, I guess, it's coming up on 13 years now. And I grew up in Oregon. I grew up, my dad pastored small churches, um, churches that, you know, in, in a lot of ways would... Uh, people would not really think too much of. It'd be maybe like a small, uh, I remember meeting for years. We met uh, with a group of people in Grants Pass, Oregon, uh, just in a bank, kind of a bank conference room. So that was what we were able to rent. Handful of folks there. Uh, I remember my dad helped keep a church open down in Brookings, Oregon. At the time, we, we lived uh, central to Springfield, Eugene, Junction City. And um, and so for about, I think, I want to say it was about two and a half, three years Every weekend, we'd commute down to Brookings, Oregon from Springfield area. And so if you know anything about the area, that's about a seven-hour because you have to go down into California and then come back up to coastline. And, um, you know, my dad was just kind of one of those guys who was faithful. Uh, he, he cared for the church. Um, he had a church in Springfield that he kind of took over when it was, I was just telling some of the folks in the back, some of those Yankee visitors that are here tonight. Um I was telling them about how my dad came out west and took over a church that really nobody really wanted to touch. It was the, had a lot of trouble, and the pastor had gotten himself in a situation that wasn't good, and the church was in debt, and just a, a bunch of problems. And my dad came out and just took that thing, and I remember my dad would work a welding job at night. He was doing the principal of the Christian school during the day and then preaching on the weekends. And so I just grew up with kind of the mentality, we just jump in and work. We just work, and usually a lot of hard work and being diligent will, will accomplish a lot, amen? And so um, growing up um, with that kind of environment and that kind of uh, background, when I started feeling like the Lord would have me to come out to Oregon and start a church, and, and really I didn't, didn't know if that was exactly what He wanted me to do, but I just felt like it was time to come back into Oregon after I graduated from Bible school. 
And so we started uh, meeting with just a small handful of folks. And I honestly, in my mind, I thought that's all it will ever be because that's what I grew up like. You know, I, we're, we know Oregon and Washington, right? Is the two least church states in the entire country. And I just kind of had this mindset of what was going to be there and what to expect. And the Lord has really just, um, just blessed beyond any of my expectations. And, um, we have, you know, a, a, I, I would say a thriving congregation of people, uh, and, uh, and of all places out on the west side of Portland, Oregon, you know, who would have thunk, right? <laughs> and so, uh, we're just glad to be there and thankful that, uh, we can be a part of anything that the Lord is doing. Honestly, it's, I'm, I'm not just saying that. I feel like I know me. Amen. She knows me way better than any of you know me. And, and of course, the Lord knows me better than anything, right? No, better than I know myself. And and I just think, and I get to you know be here and preach and open up the Word of God and instruct, Amen, and and be a part of something that God's doing. That's that's pretty amazing, honestly. I just I feel very very privileged, and so I mean it when I say thank you for having me in tonight. Let's look at Second Corinthians chapter nine. We're just going to stay in this passage tonight. Very familiar uh, passage of scripture. I'll just try to preach something here. Be hopefully be helpful to you, and then we'll. Go on and uh, get on and get ready for our week. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I just want to read you in verse 8. It's kind of the, the text verse we'll take tonight. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. The Bible says this, Paul speaking, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Let's go ahead and ask the Lord's help one more time. Lord, we do thank you for the chance to meet, and I thank you for the privilege. And I thank you for these people who come out, Lord, and the faithful folks that uh, constitute this local congregation. I pray that you'd please bless them. I pray that this message would be a help, and it would be something that uh, people could hold on to and think about, Lord, when the time comes. And uh, we know that your work is important, and we know that your work is really the most important thing there is. And yet, Lord, we're also um, aware of our frailties and our weaknesses, and so we acknowledge those things tonight. We thank you that you're able to overcome those things through your grace and that you are able uh, to make these things uh, possible, Lord. And so we ask you once more to bless the time we have tonight, bless the message, bless the listeners, and we ask your blessing on this local church. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Now, We've been, we've had a theme over at our church. Uh, we don't, we've never done those same things. You know what I mean? I, we're, we're just, you know, we don't know what we're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, you know, we we'll just show up, teach, preach. Like I said, from the very beginning, we just kind of said, I, I said, well, here's the deal. There was a, a handful of people that, by the way, can I walk around? Is this okay? Okay, good. I, just, I didn't know if this, okay, good. Yeah. So, uh, I was like, okay, I just graduated from Bible school. I don't really know if I'm called to preach. I'm not even really sure what that is. Maybe brother Mike can tell me afterwards. I, I'm still trying to figure out what it means to be called to preach. Cause, you know, some guys in Bible school are like, I'm called to preach, right? I know. And right? the Lord told me. And other people are just like, I don't know. I was kind of in that category. I don't know. I want to do something. Amen. I want to serve the Lord. I don't feel worthy of that, but I'd like to do it. And if he'll let me do something, then great. So, you know, I, I took the opportunities to preach. And we were in, in Bible school. There was a little place called Pea Ridge. And it was like a fellowship or a um, community hall type of thing. You know, those old dilapidated buildings that way back in the day, they do square dancing and stuff in. Well, um, they would, they would have a, a group of students would get together once a month and they would do, they call it Pea Ridge service. And, um, and every year they would turn over kind of the, the, the idea of keeping a track of a book and, and, and unlocking the building and arranging for a, a, a special speaker to come in. They, the guys would get together and do popcorn preaching to one another and there'd be food and fellowship. And so they would always pick a second year student. They turned that over to them and well, we got it, you know, on our second year and they asked us and, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so she helped me and we pretty much got through it. But what, what happened, what I found out was that uh, there's opportunities to do something tr- pretty much everywhere. If you'll just have the mindset to try to do something for God, the opportunities are pretty much boundless. And I also found out that during that peerage thing, it's like, hey, it was kind of like, you know, in a sense, like being the pastor, you know, not really at all. But but it was <laughs> at the time I felt like, you know, oh, that's, you know, I'm, I'm getting to play pastor, you know. So I wanted to do something, and I, and I thought, God, maybe you'll use me to do this. Maybe one day you'll let me pastor. And so we came out to Oregon, like I said, and there's a handful of people, and we all get together. And we met one time. In the, our first meeting was October 10th, 2010, so 10, 10, 10. I thought for sure it was the fullness of the Gentiles had come in, right? 
I mean, this is it. Something's going to happen. Amen. And, and so we met in the library room of the Mountain View or Mountaindale uh, Elementary School. And we met in the library. Of course, it was like, oh, perfect. We're going to get to meet there and it's free and you know, all that stuff. Well, we got there and it was full of, you know, it was Halloween time. So it's Harry Potter and witches and wizards and cobwebs are all kind of, that was our first church meeting service ever. In other words, I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. The only thing I can say is that God has surrounded me with people that kind of know what they're doing in certain areas, and it all kind of works out, right? And so, so here we are just kind of trying to do things, and, and I've, and you know it occurred to me after, see, it was last year what we started doing in 2021 is we started, we, we said, hey, we want to memorize scripture together as a church. So what we did is we pick a verse, and every month we'd have a new verse that we kind of just recite before the morning service. We'd recite these verses together as a church, and we started memorizing Scripture together as a church. And it was like, man, that was, at the end of the year, we got through, it was like, that was really neat. We got a, a lot of verses memorized. And we kind of, we, we did, we kind of noticed as we were going through, because it was like, well, what's going to be next month's verse? And we would sit down, my wife and I and some others, and we would kind of pick one, and we'd print it off little cards and have, hand those out at the beginning, the first Sunday of each month. And what we found is like, man, that was really good. And so we started thinking about 2023 and said, well, we should, we should do that again. We should memorize verses together. And we picked, uh, we weren't intending to, but it just kind of, kind of happened that we ended up picking or settling on this theme that God is able. God is able. It's kind of the theme that stood out to us. And so we went through and got a bunch of verses on God is able. And we started, uh, uh, printing those up and kind of arranging them. And, and, uh, we're, right now we're, we're working on the passage over in Daniel where Nebuchadnezzar is speaking and he says, I extol, uh, the God of heaven and he is able to, uh, those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Amen. So that's kind of our theme, uh, our memory verse for this month. But the theme has been all the way through the year is God is able. And our church, as, uh, as we went into the beginning of this year, we were facing a situation where uh, our building was up in the air. We didn't know if we were going to be able to stay in the building. Some investors, we, we still rent a space. And as most of you know, down the Hillsborough area, well, everywhere nowadays, but uh, especially in Hillsborough with Intel being there and Nike, it's very, very hard to come across good space. And so, uh, you know, we're, we got 100 people or so and, you know, fitting 100 people in one room and having Sunday school classes. And, that, and it's like, man, this is, you can't just do that anywhere, Right. So we've been in this space for about five years and it's now they, they, the, these investors bought it and what, are they going to let us stay there or are they going to raise the rent to some astronomical price? And so we started looking around and we just kind of settled it was a good time for us to be as a church believing that God is able. Regardless of what happens, God is able. Amen. God knows what our needs are. He's the one who started this whole thing to begin with. Amen. I know. I definitely knew I couldn't take credit for that. And so we just said, well, God is able. And so with that theme in mind, we've been working on some things and we've preached out of some different passages. So far this year, we've covered things like God is able to save to the uttermost. Amen. Uh, we, we've uh, preached out of and memorized God is able to build you up and uh, God is able to perform that which he promises. He's able to keep that which we've committed unto him. Amen. And so uh, we've been working on that. But in this passage here in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, you see that Paul is speaking to God's ability to make all grace abound. He is able to make his grace abound. You see that in verse 8. And really the, the whole idea begins back in chapter 8. If you look at chapter 8 and verse 1, Paul is actually going to remind the believers at Corinth about these, these folks over in Macedonia. If you look at chapter 8 and verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So he's saying, hey, let, let me, I just want to let you know, God's grace has been super abundant with the folks over in Macedonia. And, and the Corinthian people, of course, we know the Corinthian church had some issues. They'd, they'd come through some of that and they'd fix some things. But Paul is, you know, talking about this, uh, this gift that they were gonna, that they had kind of pledged to remember that. You understand that. You know the passage, right? Paul, Paul's talking about these believers at Corinth who had made a pledge to take up an offering like the other churches and, and to send that money down to the poor saints of Jerusalem. Remember? The saints of Jerusalem, what was happening, great persecution was taking place. We read that in the book of Acts, right? The great persecution that had been occurring down in Jerusalem had caused a lot of the saints to either flee or they were living in very impoverished conditions. 
And of course, it was because of the testimony of the Lord Jesus, and these were Jewish believers. So the, what happened was Paul and a bunch of the Gentile churches got together and said, hey, we want to send some money down there to Jerusalem to help them. After all, they've kind of ministered to us in spiritual things. It's nothing at all if we ministered to some of their carnal needs, right? That's kind of what's going on there, and, that's, and then we understand that that's what's happening. But he's like, hey, don't forget, you guys made a promise to do that. And I want to remind you that the, the grace of God has been very abundant with the believers over at Macedonia. Well, what do you mean, Paul? Even in the midst of their great poverty, they've been able to put some money aside. Look what he says in verse 2, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and, and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power. They are willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon the fellowship, upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. This they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And so he's going on, he's talking about these believers in Macedonia, they have really, really stretched themselves beyond measure. And it's the grace of God that allowed them to do that. Don't you know that sometimes... Uh, when someone just is able to do something and you look at it and you go, how in the world were they able to do that? Don't you know that most people, if they're going to be honest, they would have to go back and say, say it's, well, it's, it's the grace of God is really all that it is. Amen. And so Paul's kind of talking this theme of grace and how it, it allows us to, uh, to get out of the, the realm of our comfort zone and get into the place where God can work. And he's already kind of been talking about that in chapter eight. Notice in chapter nine, at the beginning of the chapter, in chapter 9, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1, he says, Now as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write unto you, for I know the forwardness of your mind. I know what you promised, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia. Paul was always doing this. He was saying, man, those believers over there, man, they are really, they are on top of things. And then he'd go over here and he said, man, those believers over there, boy, they are just really doing, the, they're just doing a bang-up job. Hey, man, I like, I like the Apostle Paul, don't you? I like, I like someone who he, man, he, boy, we know that he could rebuke, right? It's not that Paul was uh, unable to really just to bring down the hammer, but he, he didn't do that unless it really, really needed to be done. He was constantly trying to encourage the saints and, and build up the believers and trying to use the strengths that the other churches had to kind of, to challenge that other church in this area and say, hey, you should, you guys should see what they're doing over there. And then he'd go over here and say, boy, man, those believers over there in Corinth, they are really just, they are just really doing great. And he, he's bragging on the church at Corinth and how, how much they're going to give and how, what a blessing they're going to try to be, right? <laughs> and he says, I, I'm reminding you the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you unto them in Macedonia and unto Achaia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Well, that's a good testimony for a church to have. Amen. I'd, I'd like to say that in the church that uh, is there in Hillsborough, Oregon, the zeal of that church and the the uh, the excitement that they have for God, and it's not a feigned thing, amen? It's not something where just, we're just excited to do something for Jesus this year. I'm not talking about kind of conjuring up something. I'm talking about a real deep conviction that God is, is still wanting to do something in, in 2023, almost 2024 now, amen? How many of you believe God still wants to do some things in 2024? Amen? Yeah, he wants to do some things. And so when you get around some people like that, and it's kind of the testimony of that church, it's like, wow, that's a that's a real blessing. And Paul's saying, I'm reminding you, I've been boasting of you, and, and your zeal has provoked some people. Look what he says in verse 3. Yet have I sent the brethren. Remember what he, he sent Titus and Timothy and some of those guys up there, those young guys that would travel with him? He sent them up there ahead of time, right? He says, yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf. <laughs> I don't want to embarrass myself. Right? That, as I said, you may be ready. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me, remember the Macedonians have been giving in a great trial of affliction, right? And Paul says, I'm coming up your way, and I'm gonna, if, it might be that some of the folks from Macedonia are gonna be traveling with me to pick up this offering that we all kind of agreed we're gonna try to send down to Jerusalem. And boy, it sure would, would be a crying shame, Paul's, you know, I'm paraphrasing, be a crying shame if if we all come up and you guys aren't ready to actually give something, right? Now, keeping in mind that, you know, this is, this is, there's no cash app back then, right? 
It's like, oh yeah, I got it. I get it in my next direct deposit, right? This this is, has to be done. This is actual real coins, right? There has to be planning around it. There has to be some some real thought and giving. And people would have had to maybe kind of, you know, not just go, oh, let me just see what I got in my little, you know, my little leather purse. Oh yeah, I'll throw in a couple shekels. No, this is this is like there's going to have to be some planning. There's going to have to be some purpose, right? By the way, the message is not about giving, so whew, you know, take it easy, right? I'm not going to come into this church and preach on giving. <laughs> Uh, you, you folks are taking care of that in, in house and that's none of my business anyway. But I'm just saying that Paul obviously is dealing with this situation and he's kind of using this opportunity to give as a reminder. He's trying to talk to them about it, kind of challenging them all. And he's saying, Hey, um, he says, verse four, lest happily if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we, sh- that, that we say not ye should be ashamed in this confident boasting. He goes, listen, if we go show up, and you guys don't have anything to give, and you don't have anything for us to take down to the brethren of, Macedo- uh, to, of Jerusalem after these Macedonians have been giving out of their deep poverty, after the folks at Achaia have been, you know, I've been boasting on you guys. If you guys don't have something to give, boy, it's it's gonna, we're all gonna be. He goes, actually, you're gonna be, <laughs> uh, you're gonna be ashamed, right? Now he says, verse five. Now, therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you. So he says, I sent some guys up there and, and make sure you receive them. Just receive them like you would receive me. And he goes that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. Think about this. This is the. This is the. Sometimes I think we get so we're so doctrinally. And by the way, I'm all about doctrine, amen. But I, sometimes we're so doctrinally tuned in, especially to Paul's epistles, that we kind of miss what it must have actually been like. Right. You know, so so one night here's you know their church are having a church, and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door, and there's a couple of young guys that show up, right? And they're like, hey, uh, the apostle Paul sent us. Oh, great, Paul, how's he doing? Amen. And they're, and they're kind of back and forth, and, and, and it appears maybe Timothy was there, and, and Paul's kind of you know, telling him, hey, receive Timothy like you'd receive. He's like my own son in the faith. I mean, this is the guy I've poured into this guy. So don't despise his youth, okay? Receive him just like you'd receive me. Okay, Paul, we got it. And then, like, so uh, what are they going to do? Are going to, like, we got to do a big revival? He's like, no, they're just going to be there for a couple months just to really encourage you guys to start collecting a bunch of money for the folks at Jerusalem. <laughs> Just, just cooperate, okay? Just, just, just roll with me on this a little bit. Just, is, that's exactly what Paul's doing. Yeah. Paul said, I sent these guys up there and I sent them ahead of me so that you folks don't get embarrassed whenever we get there. And so, that be, because you guys made a promise and you guys committed. I've been boasting all over the entire region that the folks up at Corinth, man, that was a rich church too, wasn't it? Yeah. They had, those, some, some of those people had some money. Right? It's, a, it's a port city. There's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of moving and shaking in Corinth. And Corinth was kind of, of course, it was a carnal church. We understand that. But they'd worked through that most likely. And Paul's trying to encourage them to be a part of this. Let's let's do something together with not just as a church, but with all the churches, and try to bless the saints down in Jerusalem. Well, this is exciting. We can get be. Everyone's like, yeah, Paul, I love that idea. Let's do it. And then Paul's like, now uh, don't forget to actually do it. And I'm going to send some guys up there just to make sure you get it done. So there would be, you know, Timothy in church service, and he'd just, uh, don't forget, folks, taking up a collection, right, for the saints in Jerusalem. Oh, man, he's going to say it again, right? Every time these guys would show up, there was some, Paul sent these guys on purpose to remind them about this pledge that they'd made. I'm not saying they did, that's the only thing they did, but I'm saying that's actually the context of the passage. And so think about that context when we get into verse 7. Paul says, now this, he goes, listen, every man, when you talk about giving and, uh, or verse six rather, this I, but this I say, Paul says, hey, don't forget, I, I got something to tell you all furthermore. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He, he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. They just got there, the, these guys show up. What did Paul have to say? And they're opening up that letter and that parchment or however it would have been. And, and, and Paul says here that, but this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. And you know, that would have kind of been like, some of the people would have been like, ooh, oh, so this actually, this actually matters. This issue of giving and, and being a part of this thing is actually really important. Even to the point where if I sow sparingly, if I sow in sparingly, then it's a pretty good chance I'm going to reap sparingly. 
How many of you have a garden? I'm just curious, anybody have a garden at home? A little garden, right? We're all backyard gardeners in a sense, right? But you, you, you don't go out there and be like, well, I don't know, you know, I'll throw in two or three seeds and see what happens. Well, you know what's going to happen, right? You sow a couple seeds in that thing. Well, you might get a couple things sprout up, right? But, but, but you, you can't expect a big flourishing garden, a big bountiful harvest if you just sowed in sparingly. Amen. So, so the thing is, is God says, okay, well, and, and Paul is speaking, but the, the Lord through the Holy Spirit's inspiration put it in the Bible for all of us. But they're sitting there reading this thing and it's like, wow, but he that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Okay. So it's not all, you know, doom and gloom, right? We look at that passage like, you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Hold on a minute. There's another side of that coin. You sow bountifully and the Lord says, you'll reap bountifully. Amen. I mean, I, how many of you have experienced that when you, and I'm not even talking about money. I'm just talking about you just go all in on something. It usually has a better payday. Amen. A better result. I, I like to, uh, the expression is I like to play full out. Just amen. I just like to get all in. Amen. Uh, I, I, can I tell us a little story here? Is we have time? Yeah. Okay. So in my senior year of, of high school was in, we, we, I grew up down in Eugene Springfield, but we lived in Monroe, Oregon. How many you know where Monroe, Oregon is? Amen. Okay. Population 350, you know, 400 or whatever. And so my, well, I was homeschooled. We lived in not only in Monroe, Oregon, we lived about six miles outside of Monroe, Oregon, out in the boonies. I mean, we were out seven acres. Dad bought an old house out there, fixed it up. We lived there, had a very, you know, wonderful childhood. But, uh, dirt bikes, man. I mean, just, I was just, we're just pulling in here. We were driving around and I was like, man, this looks like the town where kids could actually ride around their bike. I don't know if that's true or not, but I saw a couple of kids riding their bikes. So I thought it must be true. <laughs> but, you know, uh, we're, I mean, we just had a great childhood, but, um, my senior year, we were homeschooled and I said, I want to play, I want to play sports. I want to play football. And so we went out and, uh, tried out. And of course, there's really, in a little tiny town, there's, tryouts are just a joke, right? You're gonna play. <laughs> Cause they just need more live bodies. So we went out there and I played football. And I didn't, I, listen, I never played sports. You know, we were homeschooled, uh, moved around a lot, just didn't ever have that experience. So now here I am playing football. I'm the senior. And, and there's a, there's this, um, there's this kid that's a junior. He's a year younger than me. And, but he was kind of the, the big shot. He was the same position, the wide receiver. He was the same position, the free safety. And him and I kind of, and I, and I was supposed to be the senior, but he was the one who played and he just kind of, he, he had a lot of things to say to me, kind of alluding to the fact that homeschoolers are kind of stupid. Okay. So I'm just going to leave it at that. There was some other colorful language involved, mixed in, but, um, and so he would always kind of, you know, taunt me. Oh yeah. Hey, homeschool. Right. And all this stuff. And, and I was, you know, you know, at this time of year, you know, it's going to happen, you know, like what, anywhere from three days to three weeks from now, right? It's going to be pouring down rain. And so we're out there practicing and it's, it's mud. And I'm just like, why am I doing this? And I was, there's this guy, his name is Matt Rainey. I'll never forget that name because he was just constantly just taunting me. And he would say things, you know, about dogs and female dogs and things like that. Just, that's what he would refer to me as. And it was like, I didn't do anything to you. I just want to come here and play some football. Right. Well, I had had just about enough of it after one day. It was practice. It was pouring down rain, daily doubles and all that stuff. And, and we're out there. And my job on the free safety as I was supposed to kind of, um, no, on the kickoff team, we were, uh, JV was practicing against the varsity. And so I'm on the outside post and I'm just supposed to run for the ball. Now, if you're, how many of you did any football at all? Anybody at all? Okay. So if you're in, when you're kicking off, you could just, you just basically go against the guys in front of you. But the outside guy, he goes for wherever the ball is. So wherever the ball is, that's where that guy's supposed to go. Well, I was on the outside, and Matt Rainey was down the other end, and he was getting ready to receive the ball on the kickoff, and he was in a big shot, you know, always, you know. And so, I I'm just so fed up with it, and I'm just I'm so frustrated, and I'm you know I'm I'm 17, and I've never been around this environment before of people my age, and the things he's saying. I don't know why he has to say that to me, and and I don't even want to play this stupid game anyway. So I'm just oh. So I'm on the outside and I started off about, they're supposed to start off about five yards back. By the time we came to hit the ball, I was already in a dead sprint and I was like, this is it. So he catches the ball and he takes about half a step and I just, I mean, I'm full out. In my mind, I'm just like Superman. You know. And I hit that guy right about the, you know, bottom of the neck, right about the top of the chest. I mean, full out, just laid him. He he hits, runs, hits over backwards. Loses the football. This is not a lie. This is not a lie. This is not a preacher story. I promise. Okay. <laughs> Loses the football. 
I scoop it up and walk into the into the touchdown zone and win it and got a touchdown. Okay, he fumbled it. I get the ball, recovered it. I get a touchdown, and I'm standing over the top of them. He's in the mud. He doesn't know what has hit him. And I said some things, and I threw the ball back in his helmet. And my coach, <laughs> the coach came out, and the coach was his name was Max Wall, and he was a, he was actually a liner for the uh, for the Rams, the St. Louis Rams. He was a linebacker. And he had, you know, his fingers were all gnarled from, you know, playing on the line, you know, broken fingers and those guys. And, and, Ma- and Max Wall comes out onto the field and he goes, John Robinson wants to play some football! John Robinson wants to play some football! <laughs> I think we should do that in just about everything we do. I think we should go all in. Amen? I think we should get involved in this thing. This thing called the Christian life. If you so bountifully You'll reap bountifully. So, so when it comes to this, this idea of, of reaping and sowing, don't look at it like, oh man, how much do I gotta give? No man, just go all in. Amen? Whether it's with what the Lord would have you to give, whether it's with how you want to serve one another, this local church, whether it's just being a Christian testimony at your workplace, just go all in. Amen? I think that's, I think God gets, uh, I think He gets a kick out of that. And he says, look at this knucklehead. He's gonna just go for it. I guess I'm gonna have to take care of him. Amen. Right. <laughs> Amen, brother Mike. That's the, I like that. I like being around that. And so Paul's kind of in this tone and he says in verse seven, you know, let him every man purpose in his heart. So there's no 10 percent here. I don't I don't have a problem with a tithe being 10 percent. That's never been an issue for me. But I don't think that that's necessarily the New Testament principle. The New Testament principle is, hey, purpose in your heart to give. Right. And however you purpose, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Amen. Now, now, with that all being mind, in mind in the context of our passage, now we get to the verse, verse 8, and Paul brings us in. He says, hey, listen, by the way, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Amen. This giving and the, these people in Jerusalem and... And you don't, don't you know there were some people, some of the saints there, they were just like, I don't know. We don't know those people. Right. I, well, I got my own bills to pay around here. Right? Yeah, some of our brothers and sisters in church, they've got, you know, gay clothing and they've got, they have their big feasts of charity and, and all that stuff. But boy, I mean, I come in, I don't have anything to eat. That happened just a couple months ago. Right? Remember that's the stuff that was going on back in 1 Corinthians? And you know, you know, there were some people there who were just like, I don't know how I'm supposed to get involved in this. Paul says, hold on a minute. Hey, hey, I want you to know this, brother and sister, that God is able to make all grace abound toward you. His grace was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Amen? And His grace was able to help Titus. Titus got involved on this thing. He was really excited about it. And His grace was able to to abound in, in the area of your salvation. Amen? And so what Paul's trying to say here is he says, hey, this thing about God's grace and his ability, that's something that we need to take note of. And so I just want you to just kind of look at the passage again and just notice these three quick things and I'll be done. Notice this, that in verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound unto you. Notice, first of all, the awareness of God's ability. The awareness of God's ability. Paul wanted the believers of Corinth to be aware of the fact, to know it, that God is able that's kind of the big thing, right? The, 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 the word there that really, uh, you know, that really kind of sets the tone is He is. It's, this is the action. God is. Don't, don't you doubt God's ability. I want you to be aware of the fact that God's grace is able. Amen? Christian friend, let me just tell you this. We need to be aware sometimes of the fact that God's grace is still able. Amen? What, what are you facing tonight? I'm not trying to, you know, get personal or get down to the into the thing and try to pry out some kind of uh, thing in your heart. But every one of us, listen, if we're not facing it tonight, when when we just came through it or we're getting ready to go into it, Amen. Every one of us is going to have trials and afflictions and things where it's just like, man, I don't know how this is going to work out. Well, hold on a minute. Be aware of this, Christian brother and sister. God is able. God is able. We need to be aware of His ability. You know how, you know how we tend to look at things? We look at things just, you look at things, I guarantee you the same way I do. I look at things as, well, what, what's my ability? I, I, I know, I can't do that. They want me to give? They want me to preach? Right? Uh, you, uh, you want me to spend my time? I, I don't have time to do that. 
I don't have the money to do something like that. I don't even know how we're going to... Hold on a minute. I'm looking at things through the awareness of my ability. What we've got to do is we've got to step into the awareness of His ability. God's grace is able. It really, really is. (laughs) It's not just a thing we say because we're supposed to. We need to be aware of the fact, hey, look, there's all these people here at Corinth. You know what? Every one of them, they got through. Amen? The folks in Macedonia, yeah, they were at a great trial of affliction and deep poverty. But you know what? They're in heaven now. I don't think they're regretting the fact that they gave back then when they did, right? They, 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 sometimes you gotta kinda just let the awareness and just kinda, it's almost like it dawns on you again sometimes. Oh yeah. God's grace, God's grace has got this. Right? Isn't it sad that we have to be reminded of that all the time? Boy, we, we think, we know, you know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But I don't know if it's enough to, hold on a minute. We need to be aware of His ability. His grace is able to be abundantly uh, ministered toward us in our time of need, in our time of affliction, whenever God, the opportunity sometimes arises upon us to do something a little bit outside of our comfort zone. Boy, I don't know about you, but I have found that um, when I try to get out of my comfort zone, that's usually the time of growth for me. I'm talking about just personally. I, I have found this, I'm almost in, uh, I have a little business and I have to kind of support myself still and bivocational and everything. And I have found in the business world, the people that thrive are the people that are constantly putting themselves outside of the area of their ability. They're constantly pushing themselves beyond the edge of, of their capacities and they're stepping into new ventures and they're stepping into places where, and people, they make money and you know what they do? They take it and they reinvest it into something else. And it's like, whoa, hold on a minute. Wait, we're safe. We're secure. Do we, should we really be doing that? Man, the people that just, that they just take off, they either have the government helping them. Amen. <laughs> you know, I'm not going <laughs> to, Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice, right? I'm not saying that's all reason to success. I'm just saying it's funny how sometimes we look at people and we're like, well, boy, I mean, it must be nice. Hold on a minute. You don't know the things that, that they, they put themselves out there and they, they constantly challenge the norms and they challenge what they were comfortable with and they put themselves out there and, and they became aware of the fact that, wow, every time I do this, I either fail and I learn something about what not to do. Amen. They call that failing forward in the, in the secular world. You fail, but you fail forward. You make us, you make a move in the right direction by knowing what not to do next time. Right. Or they, they, they are, they grossly prosper. I mean, it's just like, wow, we would have never, ever been this way if we hadn't got out of the comfort zone. You know what happens? They become aware of some things. I personally have become aware of this reality. If I'm comfortable as a Christian, that's usually the place where God's like, okay, well, I mean, I'm glad that you're there now, but is this really where you, where you want to stay? Years ago, when we moved up to Alaska, right after um, we got married and had our first child, we went up to Alaska. My dad had a little church that started up there in Fairbanks, and we were up there helping out. And just, man, it was great. We had street preaching every Saturday. And, well, you know, not every Saturday. Wintertime, 50 below. We didn't go out then. But... <laughs> We were a very, very active church, a very young church. We were out constantly passing out gospel tracts. Uh, I remember uh, there was guys that would come up from Bible school in the summer to work for my dad's construction company. And man, we would just, uh, we'd, we'd converge. We'd, hey, what are you doing? Let's go down to Fred Meyer. We'd sit in the furniture section and just talk to people and give out gospel tracts. I mean, it was just like, it was exciting. It was just like constantly challenging each other to do stuff. And, and it was, it was so fun. And we learned all these things. And I remember, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but we, I came to a place where, it began to occur to me that the Lord might be wanting me to, to, or at least giving me the opportunity to leave that church that I was very, very, I mean, we were super involved in and very, very passionate about. And we had just finished a little house that we had remodeled and man, it was beautiful. We had three and a half acres. It looked over a little kind of a horse pasture. Man, it was just the, the perfect setting. And plus we were living in Alaska. Amen. Right. And it was like, yeah, you know. We're real, you know, we know how to do stuff, right? And all of a sudden, the opportunity came to to move and go down to Bible school. And I remember thinking to myself, boy, I don't don't know if this is what God wants me to do or if I'm just, you know, kind of getting all excited. And I started praying about it. And I remember the the prayer kind of being answered like this. The Lord was almost like, well, John, what do you want to do? You ever had something like that happen? Well, what do you want to do? And for me, the, 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 a good church, being totally involved, helping out, 
learning how to do some things. For me, that opportunity right there, having the new house and, and we're just moved in. And by now we had three little babies and it was like, you know, had the garden planted and everything. And that opportunity was almost like a, what do you want to do? Are you willing to step away from the thing you're comfortable in and push yourself? You know, I've become, every single time that I've had to do that, I've become aware of the fact that God's ability is able. He, he is able. His grace is abundant. Amen. And that's the other thing I want you to see in the passage. Look at the verse again. Not only become aware of his ability, but notice here in verse eight, you notice it again. God is able to make all grace abound to you. See, we see not just the awareness of his ability, but the abundance of his ability. All grace. All grace. It, it's almost like, um, you can try. But you'll never run, you'll never bump into the limits of God's grace. Amen? This this building has perimeters and they're there for a reason. Amen? You know what you won't find? You won't find God's grace has perimeters. It's not like you'll go outside of the area of God's grace. Now, I'm not saying go do something foolish. I'm not saying go get out from underneath the hand of God's blessing or go step into an area that you know is purposely wrong. What I'm saying is this. We think that salvation sometimes is the only place where God's grace is found. No, his, his grace is abundant in salvation. Amen. We're all testimonies to that. Right? And it's still available for all the, every, listen, God's grace is abundant in salvation. He could save anybody in this entire community if they'd take him. If they would take him, he'd take them, right? His, his grace is abundant in that area, but his grace is also in the, abundant in the area of sanctification. Right? I mean, you say, well, I mean, how, how much of a Christian do I have to be? I don't know. Try him out. See how far you can go with it. I'm not talking about being some kind of hyper-separated type of person where he's like, well, I don't do anything and I don't be around any." I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about true sanctification. You know what true sanctification is? It's not separation from things. It's separation to God. You get close to God and you want to find out some of that stuff that just doesn't have the appeal anymore. Some of those things, it just won't, it won't just like, man, why would I want to do mess around with that? So God's grace is available and it's also abundant in the area of sanctification, just like it is with salvation. But how about suffering? I mean, we have, you have a pastor here that's going through some things. You, you find, uh, man, you know what you find out? God's grace is pretty abundant. You wouldn't look at that three years ago and be like, yeah, I think I can handle that. No. <laughs> right? I went over to visit your pastor a couple weeks ago, and I'm sitting there laying, I'm seeing him in, and I'm going, man, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm an active guy, right? I like to be up and moving and doing things, and, and I mean, I got that, what is that thing where your, your knee just shakes, the, I, I, you know, restless knee or whatever? I just, I feel like I gotta move, okay? But boy, to be laying in bed and have all these things happening, and I'm just thinking, man, I don't know how I could do that. You know what? I do know how I, he's, he's doing it, and I know how I could do it if God put me there too. What is it? It's the grace of God. His grace is available. We need to be aware of that, but it's also His grace is abundant. His grace will go as far as you need it to. There is nowhere that you can go where you'll be outside of the realms of God's grace and its abundance. Amen? Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's remarkable to think about that, the fact that God's grace is able and, and it's abundant, it's available. He can get you through suffering. He can get you through sorrow. He can get you through surprises. Amen. <laughs> Whoa, wasn't expecting that. Right. How about this? God's grace is abundant and available in areas of success. Sometimes people sabotage themselves because they don't feel like they can trust themselves with success. Now, I know that's not a pro- problem. That's, that's not a problem common for Bible believers like us. Amen. You know, we're not like in the ranks of very highly successful people, right? And that's okay. That's not a, that's not a uh, diminishing us. Mostly what it is, I found most Bible-believing folks are just simple, everyday, common, ordinary people. Amen? But you know, sometimes I think God's, God's grace could actually take you farther. I think some, God's got some people. Doesn't, wasn't, wasn't there some people in the Bible that, that Paul actually tells Timothy? He said, hey, hey, uh, charge them that are rich. Right? You know, we do automatically, oh, someone's got money, they must be doing something wrong. You know what you just, you know what you just said? You said God's grace is not available and abundant to be able to help and bless and protect and keep them in the area of success. 
Man, I've met some some Christians that they didn't they didn't they didn't wear it like a badge of honor, but man, they were a huge blessing to me and my family and to others around them because they just had access to money. You know what they found? They found that God's grace was able to give to be abundant in their life and their areas of success where they were able to minister and to give in simplicity, right? Not knowing the left hand and know what the right hand is doing. They were just able to give and be a blessing, and it didn't really uh, majorly rock their world financially. Amen? Guess not, it's nice to have some people out there like that. Amen? Especially a couple of them that are in our ranks. That's a blessing. What am I trying to say? I'm saying, hey, don't worry about those folks. God's grace is able. It's so abundant that it can pretty much cover everything it is that you and I might run into. Like, like for real. <laughs> not just saying that. It's actually true. So much more. Amen? His grace is available. We need to be aware of that, the awareness, awareness of his ability, the abundance of his ability. And then I want you to see lastly here, uh, down in verse, oh, look at verse 8 again. He says this, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Notice also the assurance of his ability. The assurance of his ability. You say, well, I know God's grace is there. Hey, man, you know that, right? And I, and I know God's grace is abundant. I mean, I, I've seen it. I've seen it in other people's lives. I've seen it in my own life. Okay, well then, then let's do this. Let's settle into and just be assured of this absolute fact. God's grace is able. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. And Paul is speaking to some folks there that honestly, they didn't really necessarily know if this was something they could handle. They could do it. That's why Paul addresses them the way that he did, right? Paul addresses this issue because of the fact that he knew, hey, there's some folks there that are going to have a little bit of a tough time with this. And they're going to have some guys there that are going to be kind of prodding them and, 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 you know, and reminding them that, hey, we got this thing coming up. But, you know, sometimes it's not about just a financial gift. Sometimes it's about whatever it is, right? It could be whatever. I know people, Christian people, who face death and divorce and disease, and anything else the bad that you could think of that starts with a D, amen? <laughs> and a whole bunch of other stuff, too. And you think, man, how do they get that through that? Because God's grace is available. It's abundant. But listen, that should, that should give us an assurance that the things that we face, the things that our brothers and sisters face, the things that we face together as a church, maybe even as, as a, a Christian community, right? Who knows what the future holds for America and Christianity? I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I don't even try to speculate anymore. I can't believe the whole thing hasn't imploded yet. Yeah. It's a house of cards, amen? I mean, it's like, I don't even, I don't even know how this thing is still operating. I've honestly, when I drive around, I think, man, I've been all over the world and I've been able to see things and I see how most people, I'm talking about good Christian people and they are living literally, literally meal to meal and God's grace is abundant in their life. I don't get that. I come back here and I see the riches of this country and I see the, my own, I look at the house I live in and I look at the cars that I drive and I look at the paycheck that I get and I'm just like, God, what in the world? How do, I don't deserve this. How is this even possible? And I look at the system that it's built on and it's, you know, fiat money system and the petrodollar and all that stuff. We can talk about all that afterwards. But the point is this. I look at the thing, I think this thing's going to collapse. What's going to happen? You ever have that thought? What's going to happen? You know what I'm praying for? I'm praying we get out of here. Amen? I'm scared. Amen? I don't want to go through it. But I know this. If God says, God says no, you're going to stay here, and I've got some refining that I'm going to do with American Christians before I get them out of here, you know what I know? I know God's grace is available. I'm aware of that. It's abundant. Amen? And so that what happens is I have an assurance. There's literally nothing. Nothing can befall you and I. It's outside of the scope of God's protection and His grace. There is, there is nothing that's happening. Just, can we just be real? Just get real real here for a minute. There's nothing that's going on in this church right now that is outside the coverage of God's grace. That has to do with your pastor. That has to do with you and your testimony here in this community. That has to do with you and your walk with the Lord. And you're trying to, man, what's going on? I don't even know. And what's going to happen? Hey, hey, God's grace. It's available. Amen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's available. That's right. And, and listen, God's grace is not just like, well, let me just, I'll give you a little bit of grace today, but don't you better ask him for tomorrow. It's not God. It's abundant. Amen. He's just like, Hey, let me just show you how I can be really, really, really good to you. 
and just bless your heart. And I'm not talking about always financial gifts. I'm talking about just God's grace. Just God's grace being poured into your life. And like, how in the world am I getting through this? It's the abundant grace of God. Amen? And so what that does is that gives me, at least, it gives me a great assurance. I have, I have an assurance in His ability, His grace. He is able. Look at the passage one last time. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You know what God wants for you and I? He wants us to get to work. If I could say it and and not be irreverent, He wants us to play some football. Amen? He wants us to get involved. He wants us to be purposefully endeavoring to please the Lord Jesus Christ by our actions in our lives. And you say, well, I don't know how I'm going to do that. The situation, hold on a minute, you're, you're overthinking it. Let's just go back to the very, very basics. How do we get in on this thing? By grace through faith. Amen? See, how are we going to get through this? By His grace through faith. We need to be aware of His grace. We need to remember His grace is abundant. We also need to be assured by His ability. His grace is able to get us through. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank You so much for the Lord Jesus Christ and for salvation. We thank You for that name which is above every name, that we can, Lord, rest in the assurance of our salvation. Lord, we have salvation not because of our works, not because of uh, the denomination of the church we're a part of, not by birth, Lord, but we're uh, we're in because of the second birth. We've been born again, and we thank You for that, Lord. We know that that's because of Your grace. And the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts. And, and Lord, You and Your grace, You just said, You just decided it's going to be uh, all You, and all we have to do is believe it by faith. And so You did that for us, and we want to thank You for that once more tonight. Lord, we thank You so much also that Your grace is able to uh, supply and to meet all of our needs, Lord, not just in the matters of salvation, but in in matters of everyday living, Lord, in, in matters of crisis and even sometimes confusion and things we're just not really sure how it's all going to work out. But we do know this, Lord, we have assurance in Your ability that Your grace is able and You're able to make make it possible, Lord, for us to be abounding unto every good work, having all sufficiency in all things. I pray, Father, for this people and for this church here, and, Lord, that You would please bless and continue to be a help and that they would be able to be a light, Lord, in this community. Uh, Father, You know much, much better than I do how how badly this church is needed right here in this town where we see things changing around us. We see people coming in, and there's definitely, Lord, some marks of, of growth here, and, and what a blessing it would be to have a church that's remaining as a lighthouse in this community right here on Interstate 5, right here in a place where people would have never suspected that God could do a work, and yet here you are, Lord, and you're doing things. And I pray you'd bless your people that have been faithful to this work, and Lord, bless them with the assurance of your grace and your ability. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, believing. Amen.